Thank you for joining. We have a lot of news to cover, so let's just jump into our opening discussion, which is this week about all things Surface, basically. Uh, despite us being about two weeks out from the actual event, we have a ton of details uh, that are leaked uh, so far uh, about what to expect from the device, so or devices. Let's get into it. We're still a couple of weeks out from Microsoft's fall Surface event, um, but leaks and rumors have all but detailed what to expect from the event, uh, which is scheduled for October 12th of this year. The folks over at OneFuture have compiled a list of specs believed to be leaks regarding Microsoft's upcoming Surface Pro 9 to Surface Laptop 5. Among the leaked specs are Intel's 12th gen Core i5-1235U and Core i7-1255U chips making an appearance. Uh, in both the Surface Laptop 5 and Surface Pro 9 for consumer-grade uh, distribution, while models destined for the enterprise will house a Core i5-1245U and a Core i7-1265U processor uh, variant. According to the subtle uh, number, I mean, aside from the subtle number change, uh, the other noticeable differences for consumers uh, between the consumer and commercial models will be a base clock speed with the enterprise variants gaining up to 4.7 gigahertz while the average consumer one will get about 4.4 gigahertz. In addition to getting an edge on base clock speed, the enterprise variants will also come equipped with uh, Intel V Pro support, so just a more, more boost in productivity. Not that much more though. When Future also remarks that uh, there will be both 13 and 15 inch variants of the Surface Laptop 5 this time around. Uh, well, I guess they did that in the four as well. Uh, introducing um, 16 to 32 gigabyte uh, RAM configurations uh, for the respective models. So 13 getting up to 16 gigabytes and 32 for the 15 inch models. Uh, when it comes to the flagship 201 Surface Pro 9, Microsoft may be a bit more flexible when it comes to memory and configurations, offering up to 32 gigabytes of RAM uh, and a starting storage configuration of 256 gigabytes of uh, SSD. And they might possibly also introduce a two terabyte model in the US, according to one feature. As many have speculated, the Surface Pro 9 may have, uh, only have one body type this time around, with, the, with Microsoft combining the hardware of the Surface Pro X and the Surface Pro 8 into a single chassis of the Surface Pro 9 that could offer configurations with 12th gen, uh, Intel's 12th gen uh, chips alongside Sna a Snapdragon uh, 8CX Gen 13 or Gen 3 configuration. Interestingly enough, when Future believes that uh, the Snapdragon 8CX Gen 3 will be the only 5G option for the Surface Pro 9, um, even though I believe connectivity was normally done through Intel uh, and it was LTE, um, I guess they will just be pushing forward with 5G this time around with just the modem for Snapdragons. Microsoft is also said to be offering a few more color options for its more mainstream competing devices this time around with the forest color, sapphire color, uh, in addition to the matte black and the uh, platinum that we're all used to. Uh, there may be a fifth option uh, with a hue of red and orange tone, um, but WinFuture didn't seem very confident about that fifth option. They just said it might be. And other kind of depressing and related news, uh, right on time, the NFCC filing is leaked to pour some cold water on the imagination of all Surface Studio 3 fans as an accompanying photo shows that Microsoft may be mailing it in this year with the Surface Studio 3's un uh, unveiling. We're typically treated to patent docs around here with vague illustrations uh, of devices and we get to kind of infer what the visual outcome will finally be. But with this new FCC filing for the Surface Studio 3, it came with a photo actually of a test device and by all graphical indications, it's just a Surface Studio 2. 
The design in this filing looks identical to the Surface Studio 2. Uh, it's running in Windows 11, and the filing was marked September 16, 2022, so it's fairly recent. And it indicates that this is the only device that Microsoft is testing out at the moment. Up until now, many of us were holding out hope that Microsoft would physically update the Surface Studio this year, having gone close to four years without changing any of the design language for the all-in-one. Since the Surface Studio 2 rolled out, uh, screens, webcams, speakers, and cooling technologies have all improved and becoming staples for various hardware. Meanwhile, Microsoft Surface Studio users and fans look like they'll be stuck with another year of kind of a, I wouldn't say lackluster, but at the time it was really forward thinking, but it's aging rapidly, uh, this design for the Surface Studio. After four years without a refresh, um, the Surface Studio 3 is expected to return this year with a relatively minor Intel 11th gen Core i7 processor, not the 12th gen, uh, a max 32 gigabytes of memory and one terabyte of SSD, all while sporting the exact same design language from 2018. I'm not sure why they're not doing the 12th gen uh, in this device, which has more space than the Surface Pro, but they have reasons and maybe they'll explain them during the event. Lastly, one feature also covers possible shipping dates for all uh, devices that include an early November shipping date for the Surface Pro 9 and Surface Laptop uh, Intel uh, variants and a, uh, the ARM variants coming sometime at the end of November. As for the lackluster Surface Studio 3, there are no dates. Maybe Microsoft's holding that close to the vest and will release something even better looking down the road. Maybe they'll show us uh, the Surface Studio 3 that looks like the Surface Studio 2 during the event and say, hey, if you want to wait till January, we got something better in the pipeline. Fingers crossed. On to the headlines. E3 to return to 20 uh, return to 2023 with a new partner uh, and its actual dates and locations. If you're in charge of making or distri uh, distributing swag for gaming studios, get your 3D printers and t-shirt presses ready because E3 is back. We kind of knew this going, we knew this was going to happen when uh, the Entertainment Software Association, which is the production company responsible for E3, announced its intentions to return the video game showcase to the conference stage back in June, following a weird communication thing where they promised that they were going to have E3 and then pulled it last minute. Uh, either way, uh, we now have a bit more, we have some more details regarding the return of E3 that include a June 13th through 16th schedule uh, of 2023, by the way. Uh, the Los Angeles Convention Center as the location and a partnership with ReadPop, the company behind PAX, uh, which is going to be helping promote and produce the conference. While Sony and Nintendo will likely remain no-shows as keynote uh, headers, we expected to see Microsoft return E3 with, you know, news, trailers, gameplay, exclusive footage uh, from their studios they have all reached, recently purchased in the last three years, and probably some of their uh, older ones as well. There's probably nothing for Halo, though. Uh, in other news, we noted that Windows 11 2022 update would be rolled or started rolling out last uh, week. Yeah, last week. And that there would be some teething pains for some users as they upgraded. And sure enough, we're seeing some uh, NVIDIA power PCs experiencing display issues after the upgrade. Fortunately, NVIDIA was quick to address the issue and began issuing a patch to address performance issues, failures to update, unstable frame rates, stuttering, and full, on, uh, full screen uh, scratch, crashes. The GeForce update Mark 3.26 should be available for download via NVIDIA's website or the GFE application tool downloadable on Windows. 
As for what caused the freak out for NVIDIA power displays, NVIDIA claims that the debugging tool that accompanied the Windows 11 2022 update was on by default and set to active, thus accidentally triggering responses from the company's GeForce Experience application. Apparently these responses, negative. Uh, in other news of issues happening with the Windows 11 2022 update, Microsoft has also begun blocking uh, the update because of printer driver issues for some devices. Microsoft dealt with the printer issues, or they have dealt with printer issues before, with updates that, you know, like the Windows 10 update, uh, which I think they had a few years ago that was causing printers to duplicate projects. After getting a, a Windows uh, 10 update, massive Windows 10 update, right now users are experiencing issues with the printers, uh, have note that they are having issues detecting all the printer features, specifically ones that involve Microsoft IPP class driver or universal print class driver. Uh, Microsoft spokesman's uh, issued this part of a statement, quote, Windows needs connectivity to, uh, to the printer to identify all features of the printer. Without connectivity, the printer is set up uh, with default settings and in some scenarios might not be, might not get updated once connectivity to the printer is restored. You might be affected by this issue if your printer is unable to use print specific features such as color, two-sided uh, two -sided duplex printing, paper size or type settings, or resolutions higher than 300 by 300 DPI. As I mentioned, Microsoft's solution thus far has been to pause the release of the update to devices that fail to uh, hit this initial compatibility requirement uh, that they run via driver scan. Microsoft is currently working on a fix. I suppose in the meantime, you could either PDF everything to everybody or see if your folks have an old fax machine, maybe. Uh, for software news, Microsoft is starting to make some financial moves with, Clip, with their ClipChamp acquisition uh, that I approve of so far. Earlier this week, Microsoft announced that it's making yet another revision to the pre previous pricing structure of the cloud-based editing uh, suite by integrating some premium features into its Microsoft 365 subscription. According to the company, Microsoft, uh, Microsoft 365 subscribers now get access to premium filters uh, in ClipChamp with no required work on their end. It just is unlocked automatically. Premium filters that are now included uh, will be the soft black and white filter, winter sunset, warm countryside, and dreamscape on top of the free existing ones that come with uh, just having ClipChamp on your device. Microsoft recently shrank their three-tier user arrangement with ClipChamp, uh, which previously had uh, yeah, three tiers. And one of the tiers was capped at, I believe, an export of 480p uh, with very few or very limited uh, stock features. Uh, they had a middle consumer version, which would allow you to export at 1080p, but also came with uh, select free stock filters and effects. And then they had the prosumer one, which was, which would allow you to export at 1080p and unlocked all the premium stock filters, effects, brand kits, and content backup. Mercifully, Microsoft has simplified ClipChamp, which is kind of contrary to what they normally do. Uh, they've simplified it to two tiers. They eliminated the 420p export cap and uh, opened up 1080p for free users. In the paid version, which is $11.99 per month, you get all of that stuff, plus all of the brand kits, content backup, the bells and the whistles included. Uh, I've mentioned before that for quick edits, I find this app amazing. Uh, I think it's more geared towards uh, people who are looking for brand management, quick business uh, SEO content um, creation because it's all template templated. Uh, ClipChamp is really good uh, as a free accompaniment to maybe Canva or something if you have a subscription to that. I believe that's like eight or nine bucks. 
Uh, either way, you put these two together and you can save yourself hundreds of dollars uh, from Adobe subscriptions and get a lot of your content creation done on your device without taxing a lot of resources. Uh, in other news, Microsoft's One Outlook is rearing its ugly head again. This time it's available for more people. When attempting to use the new uh, One Outlook web app from Microsoft, a select few users had to travel to the desert, answer an Egyptian Phoenix or Riddles 3, and present shards of, gra shards of the Holy Grail in order to access it. It was so many like hoops and things to jump through, only to get access to a marginally functional application. Now Microsoft is making that marginally functional application easier for more people by allowing all Office insiders access to it. Excuse me. Accessing the new Outlook for Windows is easy if you're an, off, if you're an Office Insider and running uh, the beta channel or current channel previews. All you have to do is open up the Outlook app, the full Outlook app, uh, and click on the toggle, I believe, which you'll see at the top left of your application. From there, just follow the on-screen instructions. You can always switch back to your previous Outlook by uh, sliding the toggle back and relaunching the app without any data loss. I say without any data loss because you can't put much data in there. That's why I'm not testing it. The Outlook team did, uh, did add a couple of new features such as Quick Steps, which allows users to access personalized actions, to organize inboxes, dynamic calendar column widths, simplified ribbon options, and they've uh, accessed new to, uh, tips tutorials that you can kind of walk yourself through. But until I can add multiple email accounts to this app, uh, it'll be a no-go for me. You guys keep testing it out. I've written in there for my feedback that they need to work on this. I don't know why it's, they're dragging their feet on it, but once they do, I will be in there testing it just like the rest of you. Microsoft is dropping support for a SwiftKey uh, application on iOS and pulling it from the, uh, micro, or from the Apple App Store. And this kind of harks back to that old saying that if a tree falls in the woods, does anybody hear it? Because if fewer people were using it on iOS, which warranted them pulling it from the App Store anyway, will people on iOS know that it's missing? Either way, SwiftKey will be leaving iOS on October 5th, 2022. According to a Microsoft spokesperson, it is confirmed that the company is phasing out the third-party keyboard app from the app, Apple's App Store and suggesting users visit their help support page to manage data history. <clears throat> Director of product, product Management for SwiftKey, Chris Wolf, says that the company will continue to support the app and its underlying technology on the Android platform, you know, for those of us who use Android. Uh, as for explaining the why of this week's announcement, I defer to Microsoft journalist Merritt Foley, who posits, quote, I'm guessing the decision, decision has as much to do with Apple's policies around safeguarding its walled garden as anything. The Microsoft phone link team knows well that if Apple doesn't grant access to certain interfaces, there's no easy or good way to make a product uh, which needs integration to work. I think that sums it up pretty well. It's hard to get an app or third-party service going on uh, Apple on, uh, on the App Store or iOS in general. It makes clear sense that without an easier linchpin into the main OS, i.e. maybe a launcher or web browser or messaging app, Microsoft SwiftKey was swimming an uphill battle on iOS, uh, which appears contrary to what they're doing on Android, which the app SwiftKey stands at about a 1 billion downloads uh, about two weeks ago is the last time I checked. And on Android, it also powers the Microsoft Launcher and uh, the whole interface and experience on the Surface Duo and Duo 2. So I don't believe Android users have anything to worry about right now. Teams will let users pop out the scheduling form as a separate window. 
If you're like me and have tons of windows open to you know use reference data, kind of jump back and forth because your memory is shot, uh, the Microsoft Teams team has something in, in, a new feature in store for you. On the Microsoft 365 roadmap, a new feature tag 99197 for Teams will now pop out the scheduling form into a separate window, thus allowing users to reference the original Teams app for attendees for attendees screen names, availability, and other important information if you need to jump back and forth. Uh, instead of having to kind of use the, the tabbed interface. The feature is, ex is expected to start rolling out at the end of next month and will eventually reach general availability by late November. Again, there are times when navigating a single app window is very useful and user-friendly. Like I've suggested for the new Photos app, I don't like popping out a new window for each photo that I want to view. Uh, but when it comes to scheduling and getting names right, dates and times, now, you know, having a pop-out window is probably the best option. In more somber news, Stata isn't technically dead yet, but Google is currently dragging it out to the back of the shed. For those of you who know what that reference is, you know the upcoming news isn't good. In some somber news for everyone involved with Stadia, Google announced this week that it's winding down its Stadia streaming service and will be issuing refunds to anyone who purchased hardware through the Stadia store. According to Vice President and General Manager Stadia Phil Harrison, while Stadia's approach to streaming games for consumers was built on strong a strong technology foundation, it hasn't gained the traction with users that we expected it to, so we've made the difficult decision to begin winding down a Stadia streaming service. For now, members will continue to be able to play their library games until January 18, 2023, where Google will finish uh, its trip to Behind the Shed with the service and come back alone. As a sign of goodwill, Google plans to start refunding hardware investments purchased through the Stadia store, so if you got a uh, review kit or promotional, put your hands away, you get nothing. As soon as possible, um, and they hope to have a majority of refunds issued by mid-January of 2023, uh, Stadia will continue to live on uh, in other technologies that uh, Google kind of shepherds such as YouTube, Google Play, and probably AR, and, uh, AR technologies in the future. As it seems, cloud gaming is just starting to heat up. Uh, Stadia flaming out kind of you know, as, as of right now, it's kind of sad to see. I personally found Google's low latency and compression algorithms to kind of be the best available, even as much as I play uh, xCloud. It's just too bad that they didn't have the business savvy behind it to you know secure any of the deals, partnerships, advertising, or acquisitions that were necessary to keep it in the market. You can't just have great technology, you need to have other components involved. We got another round of updates delivered to both the dev and beta channels for insiders that bring a few updates and plenty of fixes. For beta insiders, you're looking for build numbers 22621.730 and 22623.730. They re reintroduce uh, a touch optimized taskbar that enables a collapsing or retracting taskbar for two-in-one tablets and or devices uh, powered by Windows 11. The settings can be found in settings, personalization, taskbar, taskbar settings to enable or disable the feature. The list of fi fixes can be found uh, in a write-up uh, on, on Microsoft.com, or you can go to the um, Windows blog to get all the details. As for the dev channel, build users now get uh, an improved widget setting that enables a new setting to separate the widget picker from the settings. This allows a more prominent UI for taskbar settings, which is based on a highly requested a Windows user, a Windows Insider feedback uh, tag. 
Now when you open up uh, Windows settings, you'll see the three taskbar behavior, the three taskbar settings behaviors as a toggle, which you can kind of go back and forth if you want to. Again, if you want to track fixes, uh, head over to Microsoft.com to read about them, or you can go to the Windows blog as well. Lastly, we're talking about Microsoft allowing uh, Teams users to apply the 3D emojis that they introduced in Windows, I believe, uh, last month for Insiders. Earlier this year, we saw Microsoft add 3D Fluent Design emojis to Teams, and now it's rolling an update tagged 88080 in the Microsoft 365 roadmap to Microsoft's Teams that will allow users to react to both chat and channel messages with, emo with the 3D emojis that they want. Users will soon have access to over 800 existing Teams emojis to punctuate their communications on the platform. This update will also feature new Reactions user experience, which will help support the expanded relation, uh, reactions in Teams. According to the uh, my, uh, Microsoft 365 roadmap, quote, the Reaction Hover bar will now feature a reduced number of quick hover options to make space for an expanded reaction button. The reaction summary will also be moved from the top right of the messages to the bottom of the messaging bubble to make space for a wider range of uh, options that can now be added. All this is expected towards the end of December to be rolled out, so we'll keep an eye on it and we'll keep you updated uh, until then. I want to thank you guys for joining me. This is the end of the podcast. I made it. I live down in Florida. We had a hurricane, but I was here to bring you guys the news regardless. Uh, if you're into more than just listening to me talk about the news, you can head over to onmicrosoft.com. Uh, we can read about all the headlines I just mentioned in greater detail see our reviews, um, see our editorials. Uh, we have giveaways as well sometimes and our how-tos are exploding over at the channel. So if you've ever wondered how to do something specific, head over there and I'm sure we have a, a guide for you. Um, if you want to skip all of that and just want to read quick headlines so you can have something quick to talk to your friends about in your conversations, you can also find us uh, on Twitter as well. Um, I like to be on there as well, kind of updating about any of my review units and whatnot. Uh, other than that, I wanted to tell you guys to stay safe. Uh, once again, thanks for joining me. I will see you next week. I'm me. You're you. Do something great with that knowledge this weekend. <laughs>